0: Well, it's been a while since we've heard from Ole up there in Minnesota. I have another little story. Ole Olsen was the pastor of the Norwegian Lutheran Church at New Ulm, Minnesota. And right across the road, Olaf Olafsson was the pastor of the Swedish Lutheran Church at New Ulm. Kind of a tidy arrangement of Lutherans there. And they used to come out once in a while that when the mail truck would come, they would always, they oftentimes would meet both of them out to get their their mail from the boxes. And they were out there one day uh, chatting with one another. They were just kind of in general, yeah, how's it going then? Yeah, real good. Isn't this weather something? Yeah, oof, that makes it mean, you know. And uh, as they were standing there chatting with one another, a car came careening around the corner, and both of them went, the end is near, the end is near and the guy stuck his fist out of the car, and he says, shut up, you crazy Scandahoovians! And he kept zipping on through there, and pretty soon they heard a crash and a splash, and Oldie turned to Olaf, he says, do you think we should have just said, the bridge is out? (laughs) The people in the gospel lesson for today, the people at the time of Mark, who wrote the gospel of Mark, We're kind of saying the same thing. The end is near. And they were seeing signs at the time. And a lot of generations look for signs and try to add things up and figure out this is exactly when the end of the world is coming. We got it nailed down now. Well, they were seeing things, and they thought this has to be the end of the world. The Gospel of Mark is written sometime between 66 and 70 AD, according to most scholars uh, and the internal evidence there. And at that time, there was something going on that was very, very important, and that was in 67 AD, the uh, super patriots, the zealots, decided that they were tired of this Roman rule, and they were going to get rid of it. They were going to have armed combat and, and kick Rome out of their country, which other people had tried to do before, and it didn't work very well for them, and it didn't work very well for the Jews either. They besieged the city. They had siege works and battering rams and, and catapults and so forth. But basically what they did was they just surrounded them and starved them out. They had a source of underground water, but they had no food. And the historian Josephus tells us that it got so bad after about two, three years of this that people started to eat their children. Don't tell that to the children. By the way. That's bad. That's that's when times are tough, you know that. And eventually then, the city fell. And what Jesus had foretold 37 years earlier came to pass. You remember the disciples were looking at Herod's new temple. It wasn't even quite finished then. And they were going, Wow, teacher, look at, look at this building. Look at the massive stones. It's, isn't it really something? It was kind of like the Mall of America of its time. And the, wow, teacher, is, isn't this something? And Jesus said, well, get a good look now, because it's not going to be all that long, and there will not be left one stone on top of another. And that's exactly what happened. The Roman Empire tore down, not only the walls, but Herod's brand new, splendiferous temple. Not one stone. The only thing that's left is the foundation stones. That's today the Wailing Wall, by the way. It's underground stuff. That's all there was left. They, I mean, they just r- raised it, just ripped it. And people at that time were thinking, surely this must be the end of the world. Herod's beautiful temple, the center of worship and life, the identity of the children of Israel, and it's gone. This has got to be it. And Mark's gospel warns us, as much as he might have sympathized with the freedom fighters, Mark in his gospel warns us, no, that's not it. All the disasters that people see and all the other things that they take as signs of the end, and we've had them in every generation, people who sold everything they had and sat on a mountaintop to wait. All of those things do not mean the end of the world. The only thing that means the end of the world is when you see Jesus come back and he'll be riding in on the clouds, gathering all people from the corners of the earth, and... The Scripture makes it clear. When Jesus comes back, you won't have to wonder if this is it. Everybody will know. It will be very obvious. This is it. And so we have the end of the world. When we look, get to Advent, we're always talking about what we're looking to or looking towards. Something is coming to us. And so the end is coming. But the question in this is, how, how do we wait? We have to wait but how do we do that? So Jesus says very clearly, you need to stay awake, keep alive. It's kind of like my old baseball coach. Be alive out there, be ready, be ready. If the ball comes to you, be re- know what you're going to do with it. Keep awake, stay awake, be alert out there. Why? Because nobody knows when this is going to happen. Not even, Jesus said he didn't even, he, f- he figured he would come back during the disciples' lifetime. But in, in the end he said, I don't know. Only the Father knows and he's not telling. So what do we do in the meantime? We Stay alert, stay awake. What is it that we do while we wait? And I think that it's a little bit like when we were kids, and my sister and I had two cousins named Sue and June, not this June, and, and they, were, they were our favorite cousins. They were witty, they were fun, they were with it, they lived in St. Louis, they were big city people, you know, it was great for us. And we looked forward to when they would come and visit so much. And in the meantime, while we were waiting, we made sure that we got everything done. So we cleaned our rooms, we made the bed, straightened out the closet. I put extra, got extra pails of corn, extra bales ready, so when I had to do chores, I could just whip it in quick and, and go. Because we wanted to spend our time in our relationship with our favorite cousins. So we were doing everything we could to be prepared for when they got there, that we could spend the most time and have the best time that we could with them. And I think that's kind of what Jesus is saying to us, is that we want to make sure that while we're waiting, we're doing the stuff that we need to do that says, I want to spend as much time with you, Lord, as I can. I remember talking to a woman in the hospital several years ago. And she had trouble with waiting. I have trouble with waiting. I don't know. How good are you at waiting? I'm, pretty, I'm actually pretty patient with people. But when it comes to technology or waiting in line to go to a restaurant, I, forget it. I, I'm just, that's true, isn't it, Deborah? Yeah. If there's, if there's a 45-minute wait at a restaurant, I'm already turning on my heel going to another restaurant. <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. Uh, so how good are you at waiting? Waiting for the doctor? Waiting for... Your teenager to get home, waiting for your aging parents to get a move on, waiting for, uh, waiting for uh, your check to come in. How good are you at waiting? And I've talked to this woman in the hospital, and she said, You know, that's kind of the story of my life. She said, I just couldn't wait to get into high school, because that's where you do all the cheerleading and the good fun stuff, you know, and get a driver's license and date boys, and, you know, it, I couldn't wait. And then I got to high school, and I thought, oh, it's so clicky. I can't wait to get to college, where, where you have very mature men and women. Uh, and then when I got to college, I couldn't wait to get done so I could start my career. And then I could get married. And then I couldn't wait to have kids. And then I couldn't wait till they were out of the house. And then, uh, she said, and then I couldn't wait till I was retired. So then I could play golf every day. She loved golf. And she said, I could play golf anytime I wanted to. And she said, one day I was out at the golf course and I was sitting on the bench waiting <laughs> to, to tee off. And I finally thought to myself, oh, what's the point? She said, I had spent my whole life waiting, waiting for the next thing, waiting for this to happen. And I had, I had missed my life while I was waiting, she said. And now she was dying. And she looked back and said, whatever there's a passage that says they that wait on the lord shall renew their strength and apparently what this woman was finding out was that and they who don't wait on the lord are wasting their energy for nothing while we wait what do we do and that's the thing if you were to say to me if you were to ask me say cal uh, you need to boil this down so it's really, you know, more succinct, more simple. Tell me, just give me one sentence, Cal, as to what you think is makes life worth living. Pretty important question, isn't it? One sentence. What is it that makes life worth living? I don't even need a sentence. I can do it in one word. Relationships. That's what makes life worth living. If we have good relationships with our family, with our friends, if we have a good relationship with ourselves when we look in the mirror that we think we're okay, we're you know, not too guilty, not too ashamed, doing okay with ourselves, if we have a good relationship with the Lord, and we trust Him, and we believe Him, and we are close to Him, if we have those three relationships going, life is good. No matter what else happens, no matter what tragedies strike, They won't last forever, life will still be good. And if we don't have those three relationships going, or don't have two of them anyway, if we don't have those relationships, it really doesn't matter what else you have. It's not going to mean anything anyway. So our task is to, as we're waiting, to do those things that are important, to work on our relationships, to make sure that they're all good with the Lord and others and ourselves. Advent is the period of waiting. And I want to make this clear. Deborah, you don't have to listen to this. Uh, Thank you. Uh, I want to make this clear that the season of Advent is not about waiting for Christmas. It is about waiting for Christ. And that is a big difference between commercial Christmas, waiting for that, and waiting for the Christ to come into our hearts today. So today, when we start to think, the end is near, remember, the end isn't near till the Lord comes back. And He's coming in the future. He came in the past. And He especially wants to come into our hearts in the present. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.